Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the post-spring break, post-abdication, SAS <laughs> episode. Yeah. Welcome. Here we are. After spring break, and uh, fish were caught. Planes, fish, were, fish were at. <laughs> fish were at. Planes were flown. Planes were flown. Masks were worn. You know, rebukes were given from flight attendants. <laughs> yeah, all sorts uh, of good. Babies things cried in cars. Yeah, you babies know. cried in cars. I successfully flew most of the way across the country without a mask on. Okay, Mo- and actually on accident. It was not an act of rebellion. I just realized most of the way to Atlanta from Spokane. I was almost there. I was like, I have not had my mask on. I've just been saying, it wasn't like it was down. It was on my knee. I had it on, had it on my leg. <laughs> I was like, and no one has said a thing. This is amazing. It's almost like the before times. Mm. And then on the way back, not so much. Not so kind. I had a flight attendant who was saying, I'm never going to stop wearing a mask from now on. She was telling the, the whole plane this, it's for my safety. It's for your safety. I will never stop. It's like, <laughs> oh gosh, woman. Anyway, uh, anyway that yeah. was spring break. Spring break is over. And now we're back. We have to be podcasting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I missed, I missed uh, one of these because I was doing a thing for Kirk Cameron. That's exciting. When do we see that? I don't know. It might have already dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I follow the wrong people. Yeah, we were talking about story on TBN. Oh, and oh, oh, how TBN has changed. But uh, yeah. anyway, it was a lot of fun. And I realized I'm missing SASF for this. Well, so we don't, we don't begrudge it. I made, I made him give it a shout out that, Did you? Uh, that I was missing my podcast <laughs> for this. <laughs> That's incredible. It was, it was fun. Okay. Well. So today we're talking about what, Brian? What are we covering? Well, I didn't know if we, it feels like society is in the dregs right now. I, I, the, Will, the Will Smith things, the. The Will Smith thing was fantastic. I, it was Pure storytelling. Fantastic. I, I, <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know. It's fun to just watch characters in real life do things to try to project a thing. I mean, it was, it was almost a scene so laden with literary irony that, <laughs> that an author would have composed it. It was, it was great. It yeah. was lovely. I enjoyed it. And it was deeply wise. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if it was fake, it was... Something that only Chris and Will knew was fake, and it was sold mightily, uh, very, 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 very effectively. I don't think it was fake. I don't think it can be. Yeah, I don't think because like I mean, it's, it's act, all fake. It's act, all fake. Well, yeah, Hollywood. But at the same time, I will say this, and then we can just move on from yeah, this one okay. and go do something more fruitful. Fake or real, it did its job because people like us are now even talking about the Oscars right now, and I never ever would. And I don't care. Right. And neither does anyone else. So the Oscars has a bigger tail this year, you know, an actual tail like a comet. Right. And social media and marketing. Because Will Smith had the nerve to do that. Well, this is actually a worthwhile question is why, I mean, you don't target Oscars. Why not? I mean, some of this is obvious, but you don't, industry plaudits are not the thing you shoot for. I I don't know why I would. I'm going to have a recurring dream about, about winning one. An Oscar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just holding the little gold statue. <laughs> and no, I actually, I don't, I don't ever touch it. I okay. have a, I've had a, 
since before I knew I wanted to be involved in film, I've had a recurring dream about winning an Oscar. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but in you this don't dream, touch it. in this dream, a friend of mine, um, tall black guy, goes up in a long coat to receive the Oscar for me and gets up on stage, receives it, pulls out a huge pair of bolt cutters out of his coat and cuts the head off the statue on the stage. <laughs> Uh, then holds the head up to the audience and walk, puts it in his pocket and walks off and just leaves the decapitated statue on the stage. I started, I had that dream the first time, maybe like as a, as a freshman in college. No way. High school senior, freshman in college. And yeah, I've had it a number of times. Oh, so you, you're even, with very, even your subconscious is, is helping you. It's <laughs> all about subversion. It's all about, about not subversion ever chasing <laughs> It's all about subversion and destruction. So it's, uh, I've had the dream a variety of times and every time it's always a friend of mine goes up and has really awkward, like real awkward stage comedy sized bolt cutters, like really big bolt cutters <laughs> that then drop out of the coat and the head is preserved and the body's just left lying there on oh, the stage. Man. So symbolic. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so that was, that was back when I was just kind of, like, yeah, I want to write. I want to write stories. I would like my stories to be made into movies. But I was not as directly uh, focused on production and directing or anything like that than I am now. Yeah. I mean, but, it seems like it seems like an Oscar is a little bit like federal grant money. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can get it if you want it bad enough. <laughs> it does. So here's, here's the other thing. This last year, the, the Oscar noms had showed no bump in box office. And no, in none. receipts, like okay. literally zero. Hooray. And so normally the nominated films all see an uptick in profit and revenue and, and they just didn't. And so, you know, King Richard that Will won for really didn't do well. And it's just this, the, the streaming and theatrical companionship and COVID restrictions and how little people care right. about Hollywood and about their own awards and about the glamour of Hollywood. So it's now the glam is now a huge mess of striving for authenticity and striving to be real and not glam to be, you know, they'll, they'll dress up like mad and do all that kind of stuff. They're trying very hard to be real people. That's even part of the Will Smith story. Right. So why does that work? Why is it working? So you mean fake, fake or real? Why did, why is this working? Why are we talking about it? Why is everybody talking about it? Oh, because it was a moment of actual drama. It was a moment of actual drama with real characters. Right. And, and, so, it, and we, we've been so used to a particular line that must be taken on the films yeah. that we've ignored them. I, I, I can't even, I mean, I honestly didn't even know what King Richard was about. I assumed it was a Shakespeare play that I'd never picked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually seen it. It's a great little film. Okay. Um, it's a good movie. So it's, it's a really interesting watch. Does he do a good job? Yeah, he does. Uh, he does do a good job. But it's it's funny because not very many people have watched it, <laughs> right? And then now we have this this moment of drama where I'm gonna slap Chris Rock. I'm gonna uh, as with one the, person I'm gonna said, slow I'm gonna slap the zebra from Madagascar <laughs> for insulting the hippo from Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think those are the roles. That's <laughs> that they so I'm funny. Sure. I did not even connect that. Yeah, That's hilarious. Like, but it's. Uh, Anyway, it's a moment of actual drama, a moment of characters being real. Yeah, reality. Um, and then everybody, you'll notice, has a huge fight of, that's not real, so fake, that's not real. Mm -hmm. And so that 
like it shows you the crisis of authenticity right there. The fact that this happens and it's all the whole fight, the whole marketing angle for the Oscars and everything else post has been a discussion of whether or not it was real or fake. And because it felt real, it trended and it did everything. Mm. You know, it's like it went. I think it happens. I think it was real. Yeah. I mean, the clip is, what is it? It's, it's two minutes you don't turn off. Right, yeah. right. Which you don't say that about most things. Most, also Especially all, not all, anything at the Oscars. Yeah. We skip past everything. And then you, but from the long, slow walk up and the long, slow walk back, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's too funny. The slow walk back. And then we break on the US broadcast, but we don't overseas. And Will Smith is yelling obscenities from his seat. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, this man is deranged. But is it real? Is it real? Is it fake? Is it real? Is it fake? And America runs off and discuss it amongst yourselves. <laughs> right. Well, so, I mean, I, I mean, it reminds me of, I mean, we're still talking about this. We said we were going to be done. But Kanye and Taylor Swift was another moment, yeah. you know, that just. I'm going to let you finish. But everybody, <laughs> every, everybody, everybody knew that he was having some trouble. Right. This is this is so different. This is different. Yeah. So this is different. And then you have uh just the, the whole industry is so broken and confused as to what is real. Who are they really? Which what are they? Like who is Will Smith? Is he his roles? Uh yeah. Is he his personality? Is he the fresh prince? Like he's so buried underneath all these roles that yeah. how do you even find out who the real guy is? Yeah. So it's it's odd. And then you watch, uh, as everybody should, watch pitch meetings on Screen Rant. <laughs> you um, mentioned these. They're these are important. <laughs> yeah, they kind of peel it away. Yeah, just somebody, and they miss they miss a lot of of the real darkness, so some of the mess. But they are just great. So um, the a pitch meeting is when an executive or a director, or writer, writer, a director, a writer yeah. comes in to pitch a studio executive on why you should spend this much money. Yeah, or or be a pitch meeting. Somebody's like, so here's what I'm doing. Here's my take. Oh, on, I see. Okay. I'm the one who came up with the take for the new Spider-Man movie, or uh, one of the last ones was the Uncharted film. Okay. So, you know, the studio executive character starts with, I hear you've got a video game movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, I do. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, then they're, and then they're off. Um, and it's like, we're going to make a movie of the video game franchise Uncharted. Mm. And the studio executive says something like, well, that sold a bunch, didn't it? <laughs> it's like, yes, it did. And then we move on and they, then they start talking about casting. And, and so the, uh, the pitch guy is like, so who would be a good, we got to think about who would play a good Nathan Drake, this lead character from Uncharted. And the studio executive says, no, that's the wrong question. You should be asking who's a really bankable hot movie star, not who would be a good Nathan Drake. Mm. And they settle on Tom Holland uh. and to play a 30 year old, like hardened treasure hunter, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and when the guys are trying to argue, the studio executive is just saying, Spider Man, Spider Man, Spider Man, Spider Man. It's like, oh, it's, it's great. And then they cast Mark Wahlberg in the role of Sully in this video game, who's a, another, like an old, older friend, mentor with a big, grisly Tom Selleck mustache. And, mm. And uh, the writer's saying, so we're going to give him that iconic Sully mustache. And they're like, no, we're not even going to do that. Like, <laughs> he's just going to be Mark Wahlberg. And they're like, so he's going to bring like unique traits of Mark Wahlberg to the role of Sully. It's like, 
No, he's going to be Mark Wahlberg. He's just going to be Mark Wahlberg. Right. And these That's, are and these are all basically reviews of the movie. That yeah, happened. it's just that you hear the pitch of the film, and in and hearing the pitch, you're, the artistic you're, reasons behind. Yeah, just how the did films, these yeah. things happen? Because they're terrible. Yeah, it's <laughs> really bad. It's really bad. How did this happen? Um, and it's it's pretty funny. That's great. Yeah, there's a lot of really good moments. Like they point out incongru you know, incongruities and things. You get a writer being like, "Whoopsies." <laughs> So I can I could watch pitch meetings all day because they are so reminiscent of so many conversations I've had mm. that are just really funny. Speaking of which, we should probably trans transfer. Now we're tra we're transferring out of that into what we're actually talking about. Yeah, which was which is going to be a more Pixar specific. We'll see how far we get. We though. wanted to actually cheer people up because the world is just you know in the porta potty at the moment. Mm -hmm. But instead, we're going to kick an old and illustrious brand. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're doing well i don't know what, how we could do anything else i know it, it just when you look at we have a list of all their feature films and it starts really good and ends much po more poorly well and this is also unfair so okay what's unfair about it what's unfair is the nature of uh, the, the purchase of a brand yeah the way brands can be acquired so so disney if you're looking at them all disney bought them when did they buy them was it inside out no. I, don't, I don't remember the Disney's Disney's had, you know, distribution control from a, oh, long, okay. a long way back, but there's, there's the team itself, the creative team and the transition of the team and, and, uh, Pixar is now just a, a label as opposed to, you know, anything. Yeah. It's kind of like Macallan whiskey. If we want to go down that road, <laughs> you know, where you could, you could have a distillery that's actually really famous and legendary and then some real big conglomerate buys it because it has that brand cachet and then doesn't care about, um, mm. you know, story or, in, or whiskey in the same way, uh, that the founders did, which is what made it famous in the first place. Yeah. So Pixar in the, in, in at its best was so inventive in the art style that they created. I mean, artistically and story-wise, I mean, is that yeah. what it is? I'm trying to think if, if we're thinking what are, what is the McAllen before it gets bought out? Like what is what is Pixar before it got bought out? I mean, fun movies about it. It seems they don't do typical cartoons. They're all main characters who are not children. <laughs> you know, they're all animals. Frequent, uh, frequently, toys. I mean, frequently, but it's you also have with with Pixar. I think you have some interesting. I, I would say you have basically a boldness. You know, you have what I would call heart forward narrative, which can bite you or help you. Oh, okay. You know, so it's... Um, what, what do you mean about that? You mean that they just go for a big topic? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, they go after the feels, right? They chase your feels, but they chase your feels um, in a more significant and substantive way than most people would. And they also do it, and we're talking about old Pixar, they also are willing to hit themes that other people have not been willing to do. So death, mortality, existentialism, there's, there's plenty of stuff there. But you could through With, that's old, Toy Story you're grabbing from there, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, and, or yeah, the failure of a career, I guess, would be Cars, Wally. -E. Yeah, the end of the world. Yeah, you're yeah you're totally but right. Cars about that. ultimately, I think Cars was the was a bit, just a big commercial cop out. Cars is, just doesn't matter. It's just a decision to make a ton of money off CP, mm -hmm. and so you design the character of a car and the size of a car in such a way that you can actually trademark it, and so you you have to in these kinds of moments when you are a toy company before you are a movie company 
-hmm. you have to make sure your character design is such that it is proprietary. And so Cars was really built around very creative design of cars that enabled them to make huge sums of money off of consumer products because they trademarked a car design, a type of toy that kids wanted now that didn't exist before. Mm. And so it enabled, it enabled them to do uh, huge profits uh, on the consumer product side. It's significantly more than the movie ever made. Uh, and that's, and you see that with cars, cars too, planes. It's all these spin, you know, these little spinoffs. Yeah. And that stuff is just nonsense. So I think I don't even really count cars gotcha. uh, because it feels to me like a, like a sellout film. But I think that, um, not to say it's all bad, there's funny parts, but it, it is a sellout film to me. Uh, but I think you look at the other ones and you can see a, a real progression in despair in the, in the creators. <laughs> happy, happy. But it's always, <laughs> but it's, but it's always there. So you see in Toy Story, like the, you know, being replaced, being forgotten you know, this, the buzz and Woody thing. And you move on through the Toy Story franchise and you see ultimately you like. I mean, Incredibles is that's the theme yeah, too. Very yeah, exactly. Much. About being thrown away. Yeah. Um, no longer being needed and being thrown away. Your use is, you know, the days are gone. Your use is past. Uh, and you see that kind of over and over again. And you, you move to up where you have an old, you know, you have what, a miscarriage and a death, you know, yeah. in the right in the opening. Right. That's classic Pixar in that it's really bold and really willing to do things that others would never be willing to do to hit those notes. Right. That was a tragic opening. Yep. And so it, it, they built that, that, uh, that brand of being really playful and really fun, but willing to address primal human issues that other people would avoid euphemistically. And so instead of animated content that was uh, escapism or, you know, just some kind of uh, wish fulfillment to, to make the pain go away, they actually would lean in and address stuff. They'd kind of go up the middle and, and you know, just mm. touch it, touch the nerve ending. Yeah. And I think that's why they were so successful is they paired comedy, classic story structure, you know, something that's really heart forward, but in order to make people really care they also knew that being heart forward they were going to touch the nerve endings touch the eyeball touch the bruise yeah i mean finding nemo yeah i mean another example of one that's yep. about a very pretty dark topic yep mom and all the kids are dead except for the one fish with the bad fin yep you know and here we go now we're off for this funny thing and we're gonna have you know and the dad's the hero and a kind of yeah. like the the nervous dad but see but that hero. also tells you where the real itch was for the, these creators. Yeah. This isn't a story about Nemo. It's no. a story about finding Nemo. It's Marlin. <laughs> yeah. It's all these stories. These, all the stories were targeted to parents. Like mm. all of them. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. I guess Brave, the mom gets turned into a bear. Toy Story. <laughs> toy Story. Oh, we've talked about that, I think, before. The you... parents are the toys. Okay. Like it's like this, the Toy Story works and resonates because parents connect to the toys. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they, they're needed, they're wanted, they're here, for, they're here for Andy. I'm here for Andy. I'm just here for Andy. And then Andy's moving on. Andy's Leaving exiting. On. You know, Andy's got other friends. Andy's, you know, attention's outward facing. And then you okay. follow it through. You see all of it, all the emotional resonance of some of these, and then obviously Incredibles. Um, Ratatouille's, uh, you know, total variation. Mm. I really like Ratatouille. Uh, and then, of course, you have... Uh, you know, Monsters Incorporated, you know, it's like, again, it's very much, it's, it's not about 
child protagonist. It's way more about these people in a particular adult struggle. Right. You know, yeah. You know, problem with work, struggle. trying to yeah. win the award, Randall <laughs> versus uh, what's his name? That's Sully. great. It's really well done. But I think the the way it's so heart forward and then adult forward. Mm. Yeah, that it goes after adult fears and adult insecurities. Yeah, that's so true for A Bug's Life too. Yep. Yeah, like maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So it it hits, it really does hit adult fears and insecurities. So you think all of us know that when you are doing a kid's story, anybody in the business knows you want to have stuff there for parents and adults. And your levels of success will be measured by how effectively you do that. Mm. So you're going to be just a little kid thing. Or you could be a, a you know a cross demographic thing. You could be successful across demographics. Pixar really did instead of doing wish fulfillment for adults or humor for adults, which they also hit. They did adult fears, adult insecurities, adult worries, and then as it's moved on, they've kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. So they also, uh, I think, moved into kind of a deep despair. So you have that seems mu- pretty clear in Toy Story if we track. Yeah. All the way through to Toy Story 4. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, it's a very clear progression in the Toy Story franchise. Um, it's very clear in Brave. It's very clear in Incredibles and Bugs Life and Monsters, Inc. Um, it's not as clear in uh, in Ratatouille. Uh, the despair? No, the adult fear. Like oh, the adult, yes. adult yeah. insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Except for the fact that we're dealing with a young adult who's struggling to know where he fits or who he is. And so... And then we have, you know, with the rat, we have the same thing. So we've got Remy the rat mm-hmm. dealing with dad, daddy issues. And then we also have, but as an adult rat dealing with daddy issues. Right. And then we have, I forget his name even, the chef, oh, the man. faux chef. Right. The son, the son of Chef Boyardee. Yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, who also has daddy issues and questions of where he belongs and what he's for and mm-hmm. his uselessness. Like and, the, and the plot reveal is that he is this. I mean, it is a fatherhood. Thing. Yeah, That's it's all fatherhood. The reveal and so, but it's not. The, it's also not father issues that are the father issues of little kids. It's the father issues of young adults, and and I, and I mean by young adults, young professional adults, not teen, okay, not teenagers, you young think- adults early in their profession. You know, gotcha. Um, it's far more of a worry for college students and college grads, like. Right. What should I be doing? What how should do I, I be, fit? What I, should I be majoring in? What job should I do? How do I do this? What's, um, and that's, that's very ratatouille. But then you also see this adult misery. It kind of like plays through it. You see it in the Toy Story movies and the worry of being misplaced, uh, overlooked. And you progress up and you see, you find up mm-hmm. and you've got just age and mortality and <laughs> loss and, yeah you know, and all that kind of stuff and giving people, up <laughs> yeah and then you have wally the destruction of the planet like and then civilization you know the total deterioration of civilization and the destruction of the planet you know it's like that's a deep fear and it all i think kind of peaks with inside out where it's a movie i it feels like to me and this is not i'm not making a factual claim i'm just saying the art like the art of inside out feels like stories told by men whose daughters hate them mm. And they're trying to figure it out, hmm. like trying to trying to process. Oh, the, she's got four little emotions. Inside yeah, trying her to head. process being hated by your own children. So you you move from being the toys, and Andy doesn't need you as much. Like the, you know, Andy has friends now. Andy's going to school. Andy's you know not playing with you as much. Doesn't need you as much. You move all the way up to Andy. Flat out hates you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it that strong? You think? 
Oh, yeah, and Inside Out. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Like how do we yeah. it's it's an adult this is an adult parent trying to process. It's it's a weird it's so funny cuz it's like um the way parents will lie to kids and make up little stories whether it's Santa Claus stories or any tooth fairy stories or make up little stories to try to explain things or stories about how your cat actually went to sleep and then we sent your cat out to live on the farm. You know, I'm not going to tell you that your right that your cat died. Yeah. Your cat lives on a farm now somewhere. You know, like those kinds of stories that parents will tell to kids. They'll lie, they'll lie to kids. This is a lie that parents are telling themselves to make sense of radical the, mood swings and the hatred yeah, of them. To make the hatred and the mood swings and the emotion of, of a daughter. Interesting. And it's and so in inside out, it's like they're telling themselves about their cat that went to live on the farm because they're trying to cope. They're trying to cope with the dysfunction in their own in their own parenting. Now, again, this is not a factual claim. I'm not trying to say, oh, I know the writers and this is what they're going through. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't even think that's the case. I'm saying this is the way, the progression of this existential dread that you see through old Pixar. There's a lot of, there's a lot of existential dread that creeps through all the old Pixar stuff. And, mm-hmm. it's, and I think it peaks in Inside Out. It's at peak dread, you know, peak relational dysfunction, peak parent fear. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're watching Inside Out. Hmm. Also playing into it is just that they have the formula that they have. Like you have a crazy situation. So they do that, have so the formula. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And I say, I think their strongest ones are Finding Nemo and uh, Incredibles mm. are just really strong. And Monsters. Monsters is great too. I mean, there's so, yeah. there's so much strength. I mean, Ratatouille is super strong. Yeah. But Incredibles and Finding Nemo are two of the strongest. Monsters is really strong. Yeah. But you do have that that kind of goes through, that thread that goes through. And they had to dial it up and up and up. So you see it in Toy Story. You see it in Incredibles. And it resolves right. pretty nicely in Incredibles. You see it in Up. You see it in Wally. You see it in really screaming at you and Inside Out. Yeah. And then suddenly everything just turns over into. And he's actually, weirdly, you also see it in Cars. I kind of like. I, I kind of wave my hand at cars as the one that's all about consumer products and it's not really about the Pixar brand, but you see it in the death of the small town yeah, uh, and what interstates did to economies and small towns in old America. Yeah. So you have the death of old America in cars <laughs> and again, and parents, a real loser, fear. and a real loser of a main character too, yeah. who, who stands for everything that destroyed the town. I mean, I mean, yep. lightning is yep. such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, you have Brave is a more escapist wish fulfillment. And so you have, you have all these things. Then you move into the contemporary situation, which is way more. We're putting out what? What, what is Pixar making now? Regional like, films. Pixar is not like making countries. anything. Okay, yeah. Like Pixar is just now is a sticker that was purchased by Disney to stick on stuff. Well, I mean, I kind of liked Coco, but it just seems like they're now putting it on genre movies. It's like, we're going to do the Mexico movie, and then we're going to do the China movie. with Mexico, and then red. Spain. Spain, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we're going to do, you know, I don't know what the Soul movie was supposed to be. That felt like you're just trying to deal with. Yeah, and Onward was a hot mess. Right. And... Which is funny, because what you're saying, the dad's halfway there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dad, dad pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's super weird. And then, then you have Turning Red, which is such a, like a. A movie for junior high girls and junior high girls only and dysfunctional junior high girls. Right. So not, not just for girls, very, a very specific type of girl. Right. It's really weird. And so you, you watch this and you think about what the brand was and why it worked. 
And it was the same reason why it occasionally missed. So if you are because it's shooting for that heartfelt, yeah, for that you're trying to that really trying of, to get the nerve endings raw of adults. You want adults to weep. Mm. You're trying to make the parents cry and the kids not. Yeah. And normally everybody thinks of like of, of kid and family content as like the kids. We can't scare the kids. We can't make the kids sad. And if we made the parents sad, the kids would definitely be sad. It's like, well, actually, no. In classic mm. Pixar, parents are constantly yeah. hit with the bittersweet and hit with yeah. hitting the feels hard, and the kids aren't. Right. You know, it's like, and it's not until it's not until the kids age up that it actually hits them in the feels in the same way no, right. that it hit their parents. And so I think that was brilliant. I don't know how intentional it was. It really, really worked. Yeah, have you looked at the and different writers I, for this? Is it all, I mean, is it Lasseter all the way through or is he just directing them all? No, there's Lasseter and there's Stanton and there's other guys. And obviously Brad Bird was big and, mm. you know, Brad Bird of Iron Giant was really big and Incredibles. So that same kind of like heart forward thing that you see in Iron Giant, right. you see in The Incredibles, but with more playfulness. So we, we have all these kinds of, we have all these kinds of things trying to hit the parents in the fields. And then when you miss, it's because you're aiming for dysfunctional feels or you're revealing what you think the universal parenting experience is like or what the universal adulting experience is like. And that is frequently dysfunctional. Yeah. And so there's a despair about the universe or a despair about growing old and loss or there's despair about your kids uh, just leaving you behind and forgetting you in Toy Stories. Right. Uh, the Toy Stories, all of them. And then you have uh, despair about your your kid hating you but being like you know what it's honestly it's just because there's chemical puppetry going on and there's and it reassures you and that cat's living on the farm way that there's a deeper level in which at which they actually still like you Mm. because we can ignore these emotions because these emotions are just deterministic it's just a weird chemical determinism that they postulate but with the assumption the unstated assumption then kind of the lightly explored assumption that Below them is a base, you know, a base affection. You're not totally hated, mm. completely hated. Um, yeah. But it is really weird. Like the chemical determinism of it is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, of course, we haven't even touched on. You, did you say, did you say your kids watched Turning Red? Yeah, my girls did. Yeah. They were super annoyed. I just, I only watched the preview. Like, all the way, all the way annoyed by it yeah and and insulted in terms of like it's junior high girl humor and junior high girl problem and junior high girl everything and also not good junior high girls like unstable bad crude right emotional junior high girls who are deeply into k-pop so yeah it's pretty patronizing it spoiler if you happen to you know turn into a giant red panda when you are emotional and there's one time that you might be able to get rid of that on the calendar. And you're like, I could get rid of this curse that I have in which I turn into a giant red panda every time I'm you know, feeling intensely. But my favorite K-pop band happens to be playing at that time. So I'd better just go to that instead and live with the curse. What the? So that's, that's as it reported back to, my, to me by my, my daughters. They were, they were a little bothered. But Pixar is like, it's not that it's bad at the art. Like the art's still amazing. You know, character work is amazing. Mm-hmm. Lots of things are amazing. Although they have moved more and more, and this is not just them, but more and more into unattractive characters. Yeah. The characters are just not as fun to look at. They're not funny. And I don't mean attractive, like beautiful. I mean, 
yeah. striking or pleasant, you know, yep. fun. Like, I mean, I only watched the preview of Turning Red and thought, oh, this movie isn't for me, which is the first time I've done that with a Pixar movie. Oh, I, I started doing that inside out even before. Oh, okay. It took so, me forever to watch Cars. <laughs> then, <laughs> I don't hate Cars as much as you do, but you're totally right about it being a franchise like a massive like, commercial hey, you are you are now participating in a franchise we have trademarked we have now made cars trademarkable so that we can sell them and not have to pay hot wheels or anybody else anything you know uh -huh. we're jumping in and have invented a new car that can be sold so i do think that pixar did awesome things you know they did amazing things and i think there's room for this kind of storytelling and lessons from their success Meaning like hit hit parents, not in the wish fulfillment, but hit parents in, in the bittersweet, hit parents in the feels, make them feel raw while you make the kids bounce up and down and laugh, you know. And that's and a, that's a nice blend. Right that's there. yeah. That'll, that'll make you billions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the Pixar brand started out so interestingly, and I don't think it was, I think it was more reflexive. I, I think it was an outworking of who these guys were. And where they were, which was they could feel and they could be amused and they were making movies for themselves. And so in making those movies for themselves, they came up with these, you know, these original, the original fleet of, of Pixar projects. But, and, and they did that kind of reflexively, but it became the brand. And what we know about the Pixar guys is they simultaneously were really, really good at, at dialing in cross-demo animated content, animated content that would hit everybody from college kids to parents to little kids that's not easy to do and they were really terrible business people mm, what do you mean? really oh. good at tech you know they designed the tech and they, they got in there early not good at business <laughs> didn't they they keep they swapped ownership right yeah for famously george lucas had ownership in pixar you know like for like five million of investment but they kept the uh, original brain trust kept running out of money and having to sell more ownership so the the story I've heard is that they had zero ownership by the time they finally, by the time Toy Story came out, they had basically sold off the company you mm. know, before then. And the other thing that's kind of funny is that the, the best business move of Steve Jobs' life was buying out George Lucas out of Pixar and then leveraging that acquisition into a huge, huge chunk of cash and a board seat on Disney. Yeah. So, yeah, enormous. Yeah. So... It's, jobs and made it's not like his other job was small small <laughs> yeah jobs did very very well on pixar and he was a, he was a late comer. when did it was the merch there from the beginning was the toy yeah. side it's always it's always part of the business i mean movie plan. number one toys yeah toy story yeah no cp consumer products has always been yeah. a huge huge player for pixar well that's fun if i'd done my research before this i would have come in with like data on receipts on consumer products receipts uh, around Pixar franchises, et cetera, because it is terrifyingly enormous. Yeah, we like, truly and profoundly Maybe we'll return to that at another point. If I ever remember to right. dig it up and call <laughs> to call in the favors and get the numbers. Yeah. But they're, they're, uh, they're crazy. So I've been told them before around some of these. Cars have been told before. I know I've gotten numbers before around Toy Story, the Toy Story franchise. But Cars is, I think, far and away the biggest one. Mm. So interesting. Insterting. It was everywhere. Yes, it was everywhere. Far more than. I'm Toy looking Story. forward to the live action reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I forgot they were doing those. I starring what, Vin Diesel. I don't know if they are doing I those for these. I think it'll be, be starring Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> and Chris Rock starring together. Reprising. We're going to call it Slap Fight. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. With that, we'll say we can all congratulate Chris Rock on keeping his cool and having a really great chin. Because yeah, he did not go down. Nope, he took it. He took it like a man. Well done, Chris. He didn't even whimper. <laughs> didn't didn't even rub his face. He like, <laughs> yeah. he, you know that was buzzing. You and knew he, just, he wanted to touch it yeah, and refused. <laughs> yeah, just refused to touch his face and just gave Will Smith the wow, dude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, dude. <laughs> I, that honestly was what I took away is that I need to be ready to handle getting punched like that. Just or getting slapped. I guess. Well, <laughs> legit slap of that that velocity and you should just be able to you know handle it yeah keep it there we go that's it for sass until uh, the next celebrity slap fight then we'll be back with this has been your stories our soul food <laughs> yes hi it's brian cole here wanting to let you know how you can support the stories our soul food podcast you can do that by checking out canon plus head over to mycanonplus.com Thanks for taking the time to listen to the SASF podcast. We'll hopefully be seeing you at mycanonplus.com.